shape in the reflection of the bathroom mirror. The violent mood swings were to be expected, he had been told. He shook his head. He had always taken care of himself, exercised regularly, never smoked, never drank, watched his diet. Now, at a youthful sixty-two, he would not live to see sixty-three. That fact had been confirmed by so many specialists that, finally, even Lieberman's massive will to live had given way. But he would not go quietly. He had one card left to play. He smiled as he suddenly realized that impending death had granted him a maneuverability that had been denied in life. It would indeed be an ironic twist that such a distinguished career as his would end on such an ignoble note. But the shock waves that would accompany his exit would be worth it at this point. What did he care? He walked into the small bedroom and took a moment to glance at the photos on the desk. Tears welled up in his eyes, and he quickly left the room. At 5.30 precisely, Lieberman left the apartment and rode the small elevator down to the street level, where a Crown Victoria, its government license plates a gleaming white in the wash of the streetlight, was parked at the curb, its engine idling. The chauffeur exited the car briskly and opened and held the door for Lieberman. The driver respectfully tipped his cap to his esteemed passenger and, as usual, received no response. In a few moments, the car had disappeared down the street. At about the time Lieberman's car entered the on-ramp to the Beltway, the Mariner L-500 jetliner was being rolled out of its hangar at Dulles International Airport in preparation for the non-stop flight to Los Angeles. Maintenance checks completed, the 155-foot-long plane was now being fueled. Western Airlines subcontracted out the fueling component of its operation. The fuel truck, squat and bulky, was parked underneath the starboard wing. On the L-500, the standard configuration had fuel tanks located within each wing and in the fuselage. The fuel panel under the wing, located about a third of the way out from the fuselage, had been dropped down and the long fuel hose snaked upward into the wing's interior, where it had been locked into place around the fuel intake valve. The one valve served to fuel all three tanks through a series of connecting manifolds. The solitary fueler, wearing thick gloves and dirty overalls, monitored the hose as the highly combustible mixture flowed into the tank. The man looked slowly around at the increasing activity surrounding the aircraft. Mail and freight cargo were being loaded on. Baggage carts were wending their way to the terminal. Satisfied that he wasn't being observed, the fueler had used one gloved hand to casually spray the exposed part of the fuel tank around the intake valve with a substance in a plastic container. The metal of the fuel tank gleamed where it had been sprayed. Closer examination would have revealed a slight misting on the metal's surface, but no closer examination would be made. Even the first officer making the rounds on the pre-flight check would never discover this little surprise lurking within the massive machine. The man replaced the small plastic container deep within one pocket of his overalls. He pulled from his other pocket a slender, rectangular-shaped object and raised his hand up into the wing's interior. When his hand came back down, it was empty. The fueling completed, the hose was loaded back on the truck, and the fuel panel on the wing was reattached. The truck drove off to complete work on another jet. The man looked back once at the L-500, and then continued on. He was scheduled to get off duty at seven this morning. He did not intend to stay a minute longer.
The 220,000-pound Mariner L-500 lifted off the runway, easily powering through the early morning cloud cover. A single-aisle jet with twin high-bypass ratio Rolls-Royce engines, the L-500 was the most technologically advanced aircraft currently operating outside those flown by pilots of the U.S. Air Force. Flight 3223 carried 174 passengers and a seven-member flight crew. Most passengers were settling into their seats with newspapers and magazines, while the plane climbed swiftly over the Virginia countryside to its cruising altitude of 35,000 feet. The onboard navigational computer had established a flight time to Los Angeles of five hours and five minutes. One of the passengers in the first-class section was reading the Wall Street Journal. A hand played across the bushy, steel-gray beard as large, active eyes scanned the pages of...